Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. It is good to be in the house of the Lord this morning, isn't it? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'd like for you to open your Bibles uh, to the book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. Uh, we started studying 1 Thessalonians this past Sunday. Uh, so we're just getting started in this uh, very powerful little book. And it is a letter to the Thessalonian church that's full of encouragement. I don't know about you, but I need a lot of encouragement. And uh, this book will encourage you. Paul begins by saying, grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what a wonderful way to start a letter. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul was saying to this Thessalonian church, I want you to receive And I want you to have the grace of God that comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. I spoke on this wonderful grace this past Sunday. And a member of our church sent me a text on Monday with this verse, John 1.16. For from His fullness we have all received grace, say it with me, upon grace. Now I like that. You see, child of God, we didn't just receive grace. We received grace upon grace. That means grace piled up. That means grace on top of grace. You were saved by grace through faith, but it didn't stop there. You are still receiving grace or you wouldn't be here today. Grace upon grace. One poet put it this way. The wonder of His grace is yours to embrace. Your sins, it will forgive. Listen, your past, it will erase. Grace is unmerited. No works to perform. It is a gift undeserved, and yet it transforms. Grace brings new hope to the weariest of souls, for the gospel of grace heals and makes whole. Grace has the power to make all things new. And when you don't have the strength, grace will carry you through. Man, I love that. Thank God for grace. Thank God for His marvelous, wonderful grace. So the first thing, and by the way, I just summed up last week's message, so you don't even need to get the CD now. (laughs) So the first thing Paul says is grace to you. But then, Paul says some of the most gracious and encouraging words you will find in the Bible. And we'll start reading in verse 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, we'll begin reading in verse 2. 
For we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God and Father. Knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And here it is, how appropriate on this Easter Sunday. And to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead. Even Jesus, who delivers us, from the wrath to come. Wow! What a, what a scripture. Paul begins and he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then immediately he starts talking about what the grace of God has accomplished in them and in their church. Uh, listen again to all of these good things that Paul says about the Thessalonian church. He says, I thank God for your work of faith. I thank God for your labor of love. I thank God for your patience and your hope. I thank God that you were chosen by God. By the way, that's what the word election means, that you're chosen by God. I thank God that you're the kind of church that you receive the Word of God even in the face of persecution. And when things are tough, you still have the joy of the Holy Spirit. And it goes on. He doesn't stop there. That would be enough, wouldn't it? But then he says, and I thank God that you, your church, you have become the example that other believers should be following. That you're proclaiming the Word of God everywhere you go. The people are talking about your faith in God. And then Paul says, And I thank God that you turn from idols to serve the true and living God. And then finally, he says, I thank God that you are waiting on the one who was raised from the dead. And that's the title of the message today, Waiting on the One Who Was Raised from the Dead. Now, I don't know about you, I listen to a lot of tapes and a lot of sermons and I read a lot of books. I don't hear a lot of people talking about the Thessalonian church, do you? But that would be a good church for us to pattern our church after. Let's be like the Thessalonian church. This was an amazing church. Wouldn't you love for somebody to say all of that about us? About our church? About River of Life? 
Wouldn't we love to receive a letter and this church says, we thank God for River of Life. We thank God for your work of faith, for your labor of love, for your, for your patience and hope that you were chosen by God to do a special work in Wakala County. That you're a congregation that receives the Word of God even in the face of persecution. And you have joy in the Holy Spirit, even during the most difficult times. You're an example for other believers to follow. You're always talking about the faith, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. There's a, a word of testimony out in the county. People are talking about your faith in God. And most of all, don't we want somebody to say this about us? You turned from idols, the idols of this world, to serve the true and living God. Amen. And then finally... And to wait for the one who was raised from the dead. Man, I love it. You see, I, I, I think this is actually key. I think that last statement is the foundation statement in the text. This is the central idea of the text. And to wait for the one who was raised from the dead. That, that's, that's the big issue right there. You see, Paul was bragging about this church. Paul was commending this church. Paul was saying, you really do believe that he was raised from the dead. And you really do believe that he's alive. And you really do believe that he's coming again. And you are waiting for the one who was raised from the dead. And you believe he's coming back. You see, that was their focus. That was what they believed. That was what they were focused on. The fact that one day, one glorious hallelujah day, that our risen Lord and Savior will return for His children. That's what they were focused on. And, and it was that steadfast belief. I want to say it. I want to emphasize this. It was that belief, that steadfast belief that motivated them to do all this other stuff. That's the reason they were working in faith and laboring in love and patient and, and had a great hope in the face of all the difficulties. That's, that's the reason. You, you see, Paul is bragging on them. I can tell you, friends, if you really believe something, it will motivate you to do some amazing things. It will motivate you. I want to give you a current event to illustrate this. I'm sure most of you have heard this on the news, but two Christian churches were bombed this past Sunday, Palm Sunday, in Egypt. Forty-nine Christians lost their lives. Many more were injured and will wear the scars for the rest of their lives. One of the pastors who survived wrote this after the attack. In fact, he wrote it on Good Friday. Listen to this pastor's heart. Hear it. We love Egypt. We will not leave Egypt. We cast out the spirit of fear by the power of His love. We will go to churches on Easter and beyond to worship the name of Jesus. We will spread out the light we were given by His grace in every street, village, town, and city. We will keep praying for all Egyptians especially for those dark-minded, brainwashed, and misled, so that our Father may cleanse their minds and hearts. They can kill all of us they want, but it only strengthens our faith and brings more into the fold 
as the world watches as we die for and with our Lord Jesus Christ. These are amazing times, he writes. And then he just signs, Pastor. Wow. Wow. Only someone who has truly met the risen Lord and Savior could say such things. How could, how could somebody be so full of love and so full of hope in the face of such tragedy? I'll tell you. Because they really believe that Jesus came forth out of that grave alive. They believe that. They believe He's a living Savior. And they believe that one day He's coming back for His children. And everything else in this world pales in comparison to that belief. That's the belief that matters. Now, I, I want to say something to you that uh, I prayed about this, but I feel like I need to say this. I, I, if you watch many movies at all, then you already know what I'm telling you. Hollywood presents Christians and Christianity as a bunch of narrow-minded, hateful, mean-spirited buffoons. But I want to tell you, it is Hollywood that's misled. It is Hollywood that's inspired by the dark side. It is Hollywood that's fighting against true Christianity. Because what I just read to you is real Christianity in the face of death itself. Real Christianity is full of love. It's full of compassion. It's full of conviction. It's full of assurance. It's full of the knowledge that a risen Lord and Savior is alive and He's coming back again. Real Christianity cares for, prays for, reaches out to the very people who are fighting against it. That's real Christianity. Now, what should we be doing? I've read the text to you. How do we apply that to this church? What should we be doing? What should, what should we focus on in this church? Well, if someone were to walk up to you and say, what are you guys down at River of Life doing? I, I drive by that funny looking church all the time. And I see cars everywhere. What are you guys doing down at that church? I got an answer for you. Just say to them, this is the short answer. I, you'll need to go a little beyond this, but this is the short answer. You want to know what we're doing? We are waiting for the one who was raised yeah. from the dead. That's what we're doing. We're waiting for the one who was raised from the dead. That's what we're doing. Now, that's not the only thing we're doing. I, I'm glad we're not... Uh, sitting around with our arms folded doing nothing. That wouldn't be biblical. Oh, we are waiting in faith. We are laboring in love. We are living in victory. We are sharing our faith. We are helping one another. 
We're helping anybody and everybody that will let us help them. We are rejoicing in hope. But the one thing by far that's more important than anything else we're doing is this. We are waiting for that moment in time when our risen Lord and Savior splits the eastern sky and returns for His children. That's what we're doing here in this church. The Bible says it this way. You can't improve on Scripture. The Bible says it this way. For the Lord Himself. The Lord Himself. The one who got up and walked out of that tomb alive. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then those of us who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Our risen Lord and Savior is coming back for His children and for His church. Wow. Wow. My goodness. He's, he's, he's coming back. You see, friends, this thing about the resurrection, it is the centerpiece of Christianity itself. It, it, it is the bedrock foundation of our faith. Uh, the, the most beautiful thing about Easter and about the resurrection of Jesus Christ is it proves that Jesus was who He claimed to be. It proves. And, and there is proof. One historian said the resurrection is a historical fact that can rightly be called the beginning of a new history. A historical fact. Now this was a, a historian writing this. A historical fact that can rightly be called the beginning of a new history. Could that possibly be correct? Could the resurrection of Jesus Christ be a historical fact? The answer is yes. There were more than 500 eyewitnesses to the resurrection. Contemporary historians like Josephus, validated the resurrection, that it actually happened. And by the way, he was a Jewish historian. He wasn't even a Christian. But he was a respected historian, and he validated that it actually happened, that Jesus came out of that tomb and met with His disciples after He was crucified, dead and buried. How about this? The beginning of a new history. You see, we have history up to the time of Christ. Then we have the beginning of a new history that started with Him. The life, the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ split history right down the middle. Pastor Rick Warren in his Easter devotion said, Every time you write a date, you're using the resurrection of Jesus Christ as the focal point. Every time you write down a date, you're testifying. That He lived and died and rose again. You're testifying to that. Friends, if you believe the resurrection, you won't have any trouble believing the rest of the Bible. It just all falls into place. Let me see if I can help you with this train of thought. If you believe that Jesus got up and walked out of that tomb alive, if you believe that, you can't stop there. You have to believe that somehow, some way, he defeated death and conquered the grave. 
that he did something wonderful right there for us. The late Dr. E.V. Hill, one of the great black preachers in America, used to say Jesus went into the grave, cleaned it out, and made it a good place to go. You better be clapping. Some of you are older than I am. We don't have much longer. He went into the grave. He cleaned it out and He made it a good place to go. Child of God, you don't have to be afraid of death. You don't have to be afraid of the grave. When Jesus got up and walked out of that tomb, it means He conquered death and the grave. Wow. Hallelujah. You see, it all goes together if you, if you believe that one thing. If you believe that Jesus got up and walked out of that tomb alive, somehow, some way, defeated death, conquered the grave, if you believe He did all that, then you must believe He was the Son of God. And He came to live among us. There's no other explanation. And if you believe that He was indeed the Son of God who came to live among us, then you must believe that His birth was not a natural birth, that He was a virgin-born miracle from heaven, that He lived a sinless life. You, You see, if you believe this one thing, if you believe in the resurrection, it just connects to all the other things that you have to believe. You have to believe He was virgin born, that He lived a sinless life. You have to believe that His death on the cross was indeed the blood sacrifice that would take away the sins of the world. You have to believe that. And and if Jesus got up and walked out of that tomb alive, and you believe that, you can't just stop there. What then? Well, you have to believe what the Bible says. He ascended back into heaven. And I got a news flash for you this morning. If He ascended back into heaven, that means there's a real heaven. I know this is third grade stuff, but some of you need to hear it. There's a real heaven. Every now and then I'll hear some crackpot make some statement like this. I'm a believer. I just don't know if there's a real heaven and a real hell. Well, that's like the dumbest thing I've ever heard of in my life. Really, either you believe or you don't believe. If you believe you got up and walked out of that tomb alive then you have to believe what the Scripture says. He ascended back into heaven. And if He ascended back into heaven, then there's a real heaven. And one day He's coming back, just like the Bible says. It it all connects. He's coming back for His church. He's coming back for His people. We could go on and on with this train of thought. I mean, we could go all the way through the Bible. If Jesus got up and walked out of that tomb alive, if He conquered death and the grave, then that means there's life after death. People say, Pastor, do you really think there's life after death? I want to say, don't insult me by asking me that. You know what I believe. If He got up and walked out of that tomb, there is life after death. If God raised Him from the dead, it validates that God is God. That there is a real God. That He really did create the world. That He is moving us toward a time of redemption in history. Oh, I, I, I tell you, this just goes on and on. Uh, it validates the existence of God. It validates heaven. It validates life after death. If Jesus got up and walked out of that tomb alive, 
And friends, that means that we are not biological accidents. We are not freaks of nature. We did not crawl out of a primordial slime pit millions of years ago. We are not products of evolution. I, I, I do believe we adapt and change, but the fact is God made us in His likeness and in His image. That's how God made us. If, G, if this is true, if Jesus got up and walked out of that tomb alive, then friends, we're not freaks of nature. So help me, I'm not making this up. Somebody suggested that the reason so many people in our day have monkey morals is because they believe they have monkey ancestors. And why not? No, I'm asking you, why not? If you believe somewhere back down your family tree, they actually lived in trees. I'm just asking, if you really believe that, then why not live like an animal? But oh, friends, if you believe by the power of the Holy Ghost, He got up and walked out of that tomb alive, and that He's alive today, then that changes everything. That changes everything. It means we were made in the likeness and in the image of God. It means God created us for His glory. It means there's meaning and purpose and rhyme and reason for our lives. It, it, it means that God has a plan for our lives. Yes, it does. Now, I need to correct myself. Because I've been saying something that's incorrect. I've said it a number of times already. I'm surprised somebody hasn't stopped me already. I've been saying, if Jesus got up and walked out of that tomb. Friends, there is no if. There is no if. It is true. It is a historical fact. It is a fact. The fact that you're in this church today validates the fact. It is a fact. It is a historical fact. It is a spiritual fact. The fact that Jesus got up and walked out of that tomb is not an if. It is a fact. The truth is, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He died a sacrificial death for your sins and my sins on the cross. He was crucified, dead and buried. And on the third day, He got up and walked out of that tomb alive. He ascended back into heaven. And one day, He's coming again. And there is no if. You have heard the truth. And so what are we doing? We're waiting for the one who was raised from the dead. A hundred years ago, Robert Lowry, a Baptist preacher, sat down and wrote a song and we're still singing it today. Low in the grave he lay, waiting the coming day. Death could not keep his prey. He tore the bars away. 
And up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose! He arose! Hallelujah! Christ arose! Wow! 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 Now you can make up your mind, I'm going to preach until you get as excited as I am. So you can sit back and be passive if you want to, but it won't work. Huh? You've got to get with me on this. That was a hundred years ago. We're still singing the song. Fifty years ago, a young couple, a young married couple, they were school teachers. They were going through some hard times. And they got in God's Word and started reading the Word of God. And God gave them a song. And they wrote it down and they started singing it. And that song became a big hit and so did they. We simply call them the Gaithers. God sent His Son. They called Him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon and an empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. Because I know who holds the future and life is worth the living just because He lives. Wow. Wow. I heard that song about 50 years ago. I still love that song. I really do. But that was 50 years ago. Just a couple of years ago, a song was released by a Christian pop rock band. Now, I've just got to confess to you, I don't know what a Christian pop rock <laughs> band is. I'm sure of this. It doesn't sound like something I would like. But a Christian pop rock band wrote and released a song. They simply called themselves Newsboys. You know where I'm going, don't you? We believe. We believe. We believe. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered death. We believe in the resurrection. And He's coming back again. He's coming back again. We believe. We believe. We believe. Okay, for that, I may let you out on time. <laughs> now, friends, all I've got to say, if that is Christian pop rock, then I like Christian pop rock. <laughs> I just got to tell you, I like that. We believe. We believe. In fact, I've made up my mind, I don't care what century the song was written in, and I don't care what style it was written in, if it magnifies and glorifies our Lord Jesus Christ. I like it. I like it. 
not if. It is a fact. Songs were being written. Celebrations were going on long before we were born. And if our Lord tarries, they'll be going on long after we're gone. But I can tell you, friends, it's not an if. It is a fact. Just a few short weeks ago, I was going through radiation treatments in Tallahassee at the cancer clinic. And one day when I was there, I, I, in fact, I did this almost every day, but one day I was there uh, and I was passing out crosses. And I know I'm going to get in trouble for this, but boy, what a ministry that has been in our church. John, would you stand up? Norma, will you stand up? These two, it is there. Come on, stand up. I know. Stand up. These two. They make hundreds of these crosses, thousands of these crosses. They're in countries all around the world. And they've partnered with our church. And we, we give these crosses away. And, and if you didn't get to come forward and get a cross... A few moments ago, we have plenty up here and I'll be up front after the service is over and you can come up and we'll give you a cross. We'll give you a couple of crosses if you want to give one away. We want to give these crosses away. But anyway, I was in the large waiting area there at the cancer clinic and I was walking around passing out crosses. And I had passed out several crosses and I went by this young man and and he really touched my heart when I saw him because I, maybe late 20s, early 30s, and I'm thinking, what is somebody in there? That, he's so young. What is he doing here at a cancer clinic? And my heart just went out to him. And I really felt like that uh, maybe I could minister to him. And I walked up to him and I took one of these crosses and I held it out and I said, sir, would you like one of these crosses? I think it might help. And he looked up at me and he said, No. And I didn't get offended. I said, okay. I said, that's okay. I said, God bless you. And then I kept walking. I went all the way around uh, the waiting area. I was passing crosses out to people. Those who would talk to me, I'd stop and talk to them. And, and by the way, you want to know what humility is? Humility is when you're walking around in a waiting room ministering to people in one of those gowns. And I agree with the guy that said, I know why they call him. I, I see you gowns. <laughs> you know, you're kind of one-handed. You're holding like this. And... You've been there. You know what I'm talking about. There's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way to practice medicine. Don't make us put those gowns on. But anyway, <laughs> that was not in my notes. Um, but he had told me, no, I went around and I was passing crosses out. And when I walked back by him, this is what he did. He put his hand up and he said, stop. And it kind of shook me because I thought, man, I don't know what. He, he's, he's about to jump on me for witnessing here and he said stop 
And he looked at me and verbatim, verbatim, I wrote it down. This is what he said to me. He said, I have changed my mind. Can I still have one of those crosses? And I said, yes. I said, in fact, I'll give you one and I'll give you an extra one to give away to somebody. And I had a chance to talk to him for a few moments. But there was something about that one incident that stuck in my head. I have changed my mind. Friends, I want you to know that when Jesus got up and walked out of that tomb alive, He made it possible for you to change your mind. You can change your mind about what you believe. You can change your mind about the way you're living your life. You can change your mind about the direction you're going. You can change your mind. The Bible is filled with people who changed their minds. And God made out of them great and mighty men and women of God. This church is filled with people who have changed their minds. I don't, I don't mean to get too personal here, but there are people in this church who were once drunks, but they changed their minds. They were alcoholics, they were drug addicts, but they changed their minds. There are people in this church who were once immoral, but they changed their minds. The Spirit of God dealt with them, and they changed their minds. And they had the opportunity to change their minds Because Jesus got up and walked out of that tomb alive. He did it for us. He did it for us. Now, just in case somebody wants to correct my theology before you leave today, and you may be thinking, Pastor, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you have to repent. Well, friends, that's what repentance means. It means to change your mind. It means to ask God to forgive you. And it means to put your faith and trust in the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you change your mind, God will change your life. And I can't think of a better day to change your mind than on Easter Sunday. Would you bow with me in prayer? With your head. Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.